My plan tonight was to be in Matthew 27, looking at the fourth of Jesus' seven sayings from the cross. But I'd like to actually encourage you to turn to Proverbs 27 uh, instead. So if you will, turn to the 27th chapter of Proverbs. The reason uh, why I've switched tonight is really twofold. Uh, One, as I looked at the sayings of Jesus from the cross, I wanted to toggle the Wednesday and Sunday sermons. In other words, uh, the sermons that were coming up on the next two Wednesdays, I really wanted to save for the whole group on Sunday morning. Uh, And so I decided to push the whole series back just one uh, date so that we could have those in the right place. But also, uh, we're coming to Proverbs 27 tonight because uh, the seventh verse of this chapter has struck me with force in the past week as uh, being something that I needed to hear and something that I think all of us need to consider together as well. So I want us to consider it tonight, Proverbs 27, verse 7. Solomon writes, A sated man loathes honey, but to a famished man any bitter thing is sweet. A sated man loathes honey, but to a famished man any bitter thing is sweet. Father, we pray that your word tonight would be like honey to us, uh, that we would be hungry for it, and that you would speak to us, that you would help us, that you would encourage us. Point us in the right direction. Give us wisdom as this book is intended to do, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, a sated man loathes honey, or more literally, a sated man tramples on honey, but to a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet. Let me see if I can just get you into this proverb, get you into the picture just a little bit. Uh, Look at the first half of the verse First of all, uh, what Solomon is describing here is a man who's just had a big meal. He's full. That's what it means to be sated. So you can picture the man, perhaps. He's had three servings of his wife's best pot roast or lamb chops or cornbread or whatever it may be, and he is full. And this isn't the first time that he's been well fed. He is a sated man. He's a man who's often well fed. This is a regular occurrence for him. And so he finishes his meal in Solomon's picture, and he goes out into his fields, perhaps. And as he walks along through the fields, he comes across an abandoned beehive that is just full of honey. But instead of bending down and scooping it up and collecting it or or tasting it right there in the field, he and his horse just ride right over the honey and ride right over the beehive and carry on their way. After all, what need has this man of honey? He's just had a wonderful meal. And as Jesus said of the rich man in Luke 16, this is a man who fares sumptuously every day. He's a sated man. He is so well fed. The silver spoon is so often in his mouth that he has little regard for a blessing from God dropped right into his field, right into his lap. He can pass over the honey like it's not even there. A sated man loathes honey. But then in the second half of the verse, and perhaps you can imagine just down the dirt road a piece, there's a tiny little field, much smaller than the other man's field, and there's a poor, thin farmer 
who ekes out a living off of that small field. His wife, instead of feeding him like the previous man, the lamb chops and the cornbread, this wife has to scrape together every meal out of the few things that they can grow in their field. This man's children are grateful, unlike so many children, for just a little bit of porridge that they're given at dinner. There's no whining at the table. No, this is a man who has very little, but he's thankful for what he has. And we see that in the picture here. Any bitter thing is sweet to this man, anything that he can garner out of his fields. And so perhaps he goes out on the same evening into his field and not finding honey, this man simply finds a few wild berries that have sprung up on a plant in some corner of the field. Maybe they're tart berries, but he gathers them nonetheless because he thinks to himself, if we grind these up and mix them into the meal, then they will make the bread spread just a little bit further for our family and we'll have a little bit more food. That's the picture that Solomon paints here. A sated man tramples on honey, rides right over it with his horse, thinking nothing of it all, nothing of it at all, but to a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet. Now it's a quaint picture that Solomon paints for us. I have in my mind uh, the character from Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, Bob Cratchit and his little son, Tiny Tim, and them sitting at the table and being thankful for just a few little scraps of food that they had there on that Christmas evening. And that's a quaint story as well. It's quaint to think of a poor family uh, who is so grateful for what few things they have. It warms our hearts when we see and picture and have in our mind's eye grateful people. But if the truth be told, and if we modernize the characters in Solomon's little story here, most of us probably live more in the first half of the verse than in the second half of the verse. Most of us are not scraping together our meals. Most of us are not having to go out and find what little bits of berries that we can find. Most of us have more than enough. Even if we have less than our neighbors, we still, most of us have more than enough. And we are in some ways, as the man in this verse, sated. Some of us husbands are so well fed that we can complain about certain meals that our wives cook because we don't like this meal as well as we like the other meals. Some of the children in our homes can turn up their noses at certain kinds of food and refuse to eat them because they know they'll have a good meal the next time and everything will be fine. We as families often throw out all sorts of food that lots of other people would be grateful for if they could gather it. And yet, unlike us, in many places in the world, and sometimes in our own streets, in our city, there are famished men and women and boys and girls who would find the things that we reject to be sweet. The things that we trample on, the things that we throw into our trash or down the garbage disposal, they would collect those and say, boy, we can use this. And that's what Solomon is saying. Unfortunately, that's just the way the world turns. That's not a modern thing. It's not an American thing. It was true in Solomon's day on the other side of the world. There are people who have it all and who therefore turn up their noses at blessings that God drops in their laps. And then there are people who have very little and are thankful for whatever they get. We don't have to fall into one of those two camps, but many people do. That's simply the way the world turns. A sated man loathes honey, but to a famished man... Any bitter thing is sweet. And I just want to ask, as I was struck by this passage this week, what sorts of applications should we make from it? What can we say to ourselves 
concerning these words and from these words. Well, let me give you four things. And they're all simple, I think. The first is that this passage really says something to us, and we'll cover this only briefly, but it does say something to us about our eating habits. Why does this man trample upon wild honey? Why does he come upon something that was actually a great blessing in those days? You may like honey or you may not like honey, but you just go to Kroger's and you buy it. But in in these days, honey was like chocolate. It was the sweet thing that the people had to eat. Not many of us would pass by a bar of chocolate if we found it laying on the counter, right? But why does this man pass by this honey? Why does he ride right over it? Something that was such a delicacy, something that was such a blessing. Well, we're told because he had already eaten too much. He was already overstuffed as it were. And you know what it's like sometimes to be so full that you've eaten so much that you begin to look at other people who are still eating and it makes your stomach turn to watch people eat right? It's not because they're overeating, it's because you've overeaten, and now you're looking at the food and you loathe it. You don't want to even think about food. Well, that's what this man is like. He's eaten so much, he's so well fed that he doesn't even want to think about this honey. Just goes right on by. And what Solomon is saying, very simply, is that's a bad place to be, to have eaten so much that we look at food and we loathe it. It's a simple thing, but something that some of us need to take to heart, me included. So just a a basic thing. It says something about our eating habits, maybe on the most basic level. But let me also say that this verse uh, teaches us, I think, about generosity. It calls out for generosity. Now Solomon, you'll note there, says nothing specific about generosity. He doesn't mention generosity at all. But I want you just to picture the scene that he paints again. Here is one man who has so much food that a comb full of honey is worth nothing to him. One man who's so full and who fares sumptuously every day, so much that he can just ride right past a good meal. And yet here's another man who is scavenging for wild berries and picking even the ones that don't taste very good because he's that hungry and he wants to feed his family. You see the two men in your mind's eye? There's a... A solution to both problems, isn't there? And the solution, to me, seems obvious. One man has far too much so that he turns up his nose at good things. The other man has far too little so that he'll even eat things that aren't very good. What's the solution? Well, if the sated man would give some of his food to the famished man, we would have two good results, wouldn't we? If the sated man would give some of his extras to the famished man, the famished man would no longer be famished. His children would have bread. And on the other hand, the sated man would no longer be quite so full, would he? The sated man would now be able to appreciate if God dropped a blessing into his field or into his lap. If this man would just give to this man, they would both be better off. It's not that this man gives to this man and so this man's better off and this man's a little less than he was. No, they're both better. People who have too much are better off when they give. And the application then is simply that we ought to give until we're not so overfull as perhaps we normally would be. To put that in more simple terms, we ought to think about setting up our budgets so that we spend cautiously, I'm not saying that we never spend at all, but that we spend cautiously and we save wisely 
And then we give the rest away to people who need it more than we do. And if we would do that, not only would the people who need it be helped, but we ourselves, when we stumbled across a comb of honey in the field or a bonus check or a gift card that somebody puts in our hands, would be much more grateful, wouldn't we? Much more grateful. And others would be helped. Let me just say to you, there's so many people in need in our world that it is hardly right, it seems to me, for God's people to be overstuffed with blessings. And I think that what Solomon says here speaks clearly to that. These two men can help one another, one by giving, one by receiving. Then thirdly, and really the most obvious thing and the primary lesson that this passage teaches us is a lesson about gratitude and contentment. That's really what Solomon's talking about here. Generosity is sort of an outcropping of this verse, and so are thoughts about eating habits. But the main thing that Solomon is trying to teach here is he's trying to teach us something about gratitude and contentment. Those two things always go together. People who are content are grateful. People who are discontent are ungrateful. Now, normally, if we saw two men and one of them was able to pass right by the sweet shop without giving even a sniff to the chocolate inside, and then we saw the other man eagerly plucking every berry off of a bush, we would think that the first man was the one who was content, right? Boy, look at him. He can ride right past that honey. He can go right past that chocolate and not even be tempted by it. Just from the surface of things, the first man looks like he's more content. But... The fact that the first man doesn't want the chocolate, doesn't want the honey, it's not contentment at all, is it? The reason he doesn't want the honey is because he's already been so discontent that he stuffed himself with other things and now he turns up his nose at the honey. The honey is of no value to him. God's blessing to him is not good enough because he's got so many other blessings already. Do you see? Don't let the fact that the man passes the honey by deceive you. No, he does so precisely because he's not grateful. Because God has given him something and he, quote, doesn't need it. And we can be that way, can't we? We can have so many things dropped into our laps that eventually we become ungrateful for them. The house that we once thought was such a blessing can suddenly become not good enough for us anymore. The clothes that we once were so grateful for can become passe. The job that we once said, this job is a godsend, we can come to despise. The marriage that we were so eager to enter in upon can become such that we're no longer appreciative of it as we once were. And the list could go on. Why are we this way? Why do things that we used to be thankful for become things that now we almost despise? Well, often it's because we're sated. We're stuffed with so many of the world's pleasures that we're no longer able to appreciate them when they come along. We've had so much honey. We've had so many pork chops that the next honey that comes along, eh, I can do without. Generosity, as I said, can help us in this regard. If we give away, then we won't be quite as stuffed as we were But also, even more than that, we really need, just in a temporal sense, to get on our knees and plead with God to make us grateful. 
and to make us content for what we're given. We need to plead with God that when he pours blessings into our laps, we won't turn them into things that cause us to despise the next blessing. We need to pray that God will help us when he drops something into our laps to be grateful for it and to realize that everything we have is not something that we deserve, not something that we've earned or worked for with our hands, but that God has given us free gifts and he is bountiful toward us and we need to appreciate what we have. I think that's the main thing that Solomon is saying here. A sated man loathes honey. A man who's overstuffed, a man who's ungrateful is not able to receive God's good gifts. But to a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet. To a man who realizes how empty he is, to a man who realizes how much he needs God's grace, everything that God deals him is sweet. We could say that about jobs and homes and clothes and cars. We could say it about circumstances and sicknesses and so on. Either we receive what God gives us with, with gratitude and contentment, or we're overstuffed and ungrateful. Now, finally, and at a little more length, I want to make a, a spiritual application. And this is why I've been so eager to, to study this verse and to bring you this verse tonight, because Solomon, I believe, here speaks to something more than just honey and wild berries. He speaks about more than cars and homes and so on. He is saying something in verse 7, I believe, about gratitude in our souls, and gratitude over the things that God does for our souls. In fact, your Bible may tell you that the word man, which appears twice in verse 7, is literally the word soul. Literally, the verse says, a sated soul tramples on honey, but to a famished soul, any bitter thing is sweet. Maybe Solomon just used the word soul as synonymous with man. Maybe there's a hint here of something more. Maybe Solomon is telling us that it's possible for our souls to become overstuffed and weighed down so that we're not grateful for the grace that God gives to us. And so what I want to say to you tonight is it is possible for Proverbs 27.7 to be said of our spiritual appetites as well as of our physical appetites. It's possible that we would get to a place that we don't want any more food for our souls. That our spiritual desires begin to wither because in one way or another, we've become discontent. On the one hand, it's possible that we would be so sated, so overfilled with the things of the world, as we've been saying, that not only do other things in the world become unsweet to us, but it's possible that we become so overfull with the things that this world has to offer that we will also pass by the sweetest things of all, namely the spiritual blessings that God intends for us. I'm, th- I'm fine, thank you. I've got what I need. House is good, kids are good, wife's good, family's good, my team is winning. And so I don't really need God. Maybe we wouldn't say it, but that's what happens, isn't it? So many other things, as Jesus said in his parable, So many things and concerns of this life choke out the word. So many concerns of this life fill our souls so that we're not hungry for the best things of all. But it's also possible, on the other hand, to be so well fed on spiritual blessings, things like fellowship with other believers and the opportunity of prayer and the opportunity of learning scripture, it's possible that these things would be so poured into our laps 
again and again and again, that we would have it so good spiritually that we would actually begin to take for granted the things that God's given to us. That we would be ungrateful for them and even trample upon the privileges that God's given us. So here's a man who has it so good that honey no longer tastes like anything to him. And here's a picture, perhaps, of a soul who has had so much of God's spiritual blessing that he starts to take it for granted. And to think, well, I've had a lot of the Bible. I mean, how much more do I want? The Word of God, we're told in the Psalms, is like honey. There is a connection here, isn't there? Psalm 119, 103 puts it like this. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The word of God is like honey. And yet Solomon says that some people are so overfull that they begin to trample upon the honey. Some people may have it so good spiritually for so long. They may be fed well for so long. They may have a good church family for so long. They may have God answer their prayers for so long that they no longer fully appreciate what they have and they begin to neglect it and to overlook it and even sometimes to turn up their nose at it. That's a danger for all Christians, isn't it? And it's a danger in our church. I just want to give you some ways that it is. It may feel uncomfortable for me to say specific things about difficulties we're having, but as verse 6 tells us, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I hope if anything I say is uncomfortable or makes you squirm tonight, that you will take it as from a friend who means well to you. Is it possible that some of us have had it good, that we've been fed, that we have had fellowship, and we've begun to take those things for granted? Well, maybe. Some of us, and you can answer this in your own soul, some of us maybe were once very eager to pray with other Christians or to pray in our own private closets But we found ourselves lately saying, it's hard, it's long. I just don't know if I want to go. I just don't know if I want to be there with those people or if I want to be there by myself in that closet. And so perhaps some of us are passing prayer by like the man passes by honey who's had too much to eat. Also, Some of us may have once found it sweet to serve the church in some way or other, but lately maybe we've pulled back. It became, it seemed a lot of work. We've had a lot of service, and so we'll just pass by this opportunity. Some of us who maybe would never have dreamed of letting our minds wander or even falling asleep during God's word have found ourselves doing that. Some of us who once said, boy, I love the fellowship meals. I'm glad we do this every month. I'm glad to be with the people of God. Have found ourselves on Sunday nights either saying, I just, I know I ought to go, so we're going to go, but man, I, I don't, I hope it doesn't last really long. Or we don't go at all because it's been good to be with God's people and now maybe we've taken it for granted. The same can be said of our own Bible reading becomes a chore sometimes when we've been doing it for a long time. Or these Wednesday services and the list could go on. And I realize tonight I'm preaching to the choir. I realize that you're the ones who are here on Wednesdays. You're the ones, uh, by and large, who are at the prayer meetings. Uh, You're the ones, probably, if those things are true, that are praying on your own and reading the Bible. But first of all, I don't assume that. 
I don't assume that we're all doing well on our own when we're by ourselves. Second of all, I don't assume that even though we come, we always want to be here. Or that we pray, we always want to pray. And so examine your heart and ask yourself, am I getting to a place where I've been well fed, but now it just seems a little bit of a chore to hop down off the horse and scoop the honey up again. And also let me ask you to pray for other people. Even if you are feasting right now, there are others in the congregation who are missing out on the honey of God's word and the fellowship of God's people and prayer and so on. Let me say this as well. It's not just that we sometimes become so full that we overlook the means of grace, the ways that God speaks to us, but sometimes the actual contents of what God says to us can become overburdensome to us. It can become old hat to us. Let me just give you one example. I think it's the most important example. For most of you, surely for all of you who are Christians, there was a time when hearing the gospel, the simple gospel, lit your fire. When coming to church or opening the scriptures or listening to something on the internet and hearing of how Jesus came into the world sinless and how he loved you enough to give his life on your behalf and how he got to a place where he would even cry out, why have you forsaken me, God? And then he rose from the dead and that all you must do is believe on his name. There were times for all of us who are Christians where that was the greatest message in the world. Boy, I hope the pastor preaches about that today. Boy, I hope that doesn't get overlooked today. I love to hear the gospel. But it can become such that after a while, we can begin to come to church and either say, another gospel sermon. Or we can come to a certain portion of the sermon and go, well, here comes the Jesus part of the sermon again. I knew he was going to pull it out of Proverbs 27.7 somehow. Here it is. That can happen to us, can't it? We can have such, so much of a good thing that we become despiteful of it. It's amazing, but it's human nature. It's not the way God made us, but it's sinful human nature, isn't it? And so let me just say to you, we've had it good as God's people, haven't we? God has given us Honey, he has fed us well. His words, the fellowship of his people, the prayers of the saints have been sweet to your souls. I'm certain of it. But maybe for some of us, that honey doesn't quite seem to taste like it once tasted. Maybe for some of us, the honey seems just a little bit too difficult to get. To stop. And get down from the horse and to do the work that it would take to scoop it up. I've had a lot of honey. I'll bypass it this time. And you bypass it this time and it's easier to bypass it the next time. And God's so merciful. He keeps dropping these honeycombs into the middle of our lives. But it's easier and easier to bypass them and to trample upon them. There was a time... Perhaps even when you didn't know much about the word and all you could gather was little berries. But as you read and as you came to church, you eagerly gathered every berry that you could. But now it's so easy to just leave a few by the side of the road, unpicked, still on the branches, waiting to be nourishing to your souls, but never being so. And I include myself in that. Solomon says it, 
To a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet. To a man who's really hungry, he wants everything he can get, even if it's just a little tiny thing, even if the word to his soul is a difficult word, he wants it. But a sated man loathes even honey. A sated man comes to the very best things that God has, even the gospel, and says, "Ah." Is it possible? Here's the big question. Here's the question that I've wanted to ask myself and you from Proverbs 27.7. Is it possible that any of us have lost our appetites? Is that possible? It's certainly possible. Is it true for you? Have you lost your appetite or has it waned? And if it has, what's the solution? Someone says, well, the famished man seems to be doing well in this instance, so so maybe I should just go on a fast of the things of God, right? I just won't eat the things of God for a few weeks, and then I'll really miss what I had, and I'll appreciate it more. Well, that would work, perhaps. And God, in his providence, sometimes does that to us, doesn't he? God may discipline us so that we don't have the chances that we have now, so that we realize what we took for granted and we appreciate it more. But let's leave that to God to do. What do we need to do? Not famish ourselves. What do we need to do? What is the chief solution for a sated Christian? Well, I think two things, very simply, and then we're finished. If you find that you've had, quote, too much of a good thing, if you find that all the blessings that God has poured out on you have made you loathe the things of God or disregard the things of God or overlook the things of God or take for granted the things of God, repent. That's the first thing. Repent. Here we have a man, and if we were overstuffed like him, we would understand why he trampled on the honey, right? But it wouldn't be a good thing to do. God drops a blessing in your lap, you scoop it up. Even if you're not ready to receive it because of your own negligence or your own filling yourself up with the things of the world. God gives you a blessing. You scoop it up. You receive it. You're grateful for it. And if you haven't been scooping up what God's giving to you, then you have to repent. If God pours something in your lap and you turn your nose up at it, you have to repent. Sometimes I complain about the food at home and I have to go back later. I hope I usually do and say, you know what? I had a bad attitude. I'm sorry. I didn't say that to the children because I did it in front of them. I say it to Toby. It happens more than, far more often than I'd like to confess. And when God drops something onto my table and I turn my nose up at it, I must repent. God, I've been like this man in the proverb. I'm so full with the things of this world or I've so taken for granted all the blessings that you've given me spiritually that I've turned my nose up at something you've given to me. God, I want to be like the man who's hungry. And I'll take anything that I can get from you. And God, thank you that you did send Jesus into the world so that we can repent and that we can be forgiven. Remember, the sweetest honey of the word of God is that God sent his son into the world to save sinners. And so if you've overlooked the word, you've overlooked the honey, Well, the very thing that you've overlooked is your forgiveness, is your hope, isn't it? So just go back to it and say, yes, thank you. Jesus died for my sins. Thank you. The Holy Spirit has come to me and has made me new so that I can eat and I can live and I can enjoy. God, I repent and I thank you for forgiveness in Jesus. That's the first thing. And then the second thing we must do very simply is pray. 
God, increase my appetite. God, increase the size of my spiritual stomach. Enlarge my ability to take in your word so that I won't anymore say, boy, that's too much. But that I'll say, wow, that was good. Where's the next comb of honey? Where can I find more like that? God, increase my appetite so that I am constantly being full but never being overfull. So that I'm constantly being fed but always remaining hungry. That's what we need, to be fed and to remain hungry. And God can do that for us. And we should pray that he would. And what I'd like to do is just give a few moments, three or four or five minutes, for any of you who would like to pray out loud, that God would do that for us and for you, that God would increase our appetite so that we would scoop up all the honey that we can find. I'll begin, and anyone else who would like to pray can do so. Father, thank you for your word that is like honey. When we stop and get off the horse and bend down to scoop it up and taste it, we are never disappointed. It's only when we trample on it, it's only when we go by, it's only when we turn up our noses without tasting it that we find that we're over full. So please, help us simply to stop when it's time to stop and to scoop up the blessings that you've given us. Enlarge our appetites, God. May it never be that we would have too much of a good thing spiritually. May it never be that we would be over full or think that we're over full spiritually. Please help me, God, to love your word, to love it afresh, to love the fellowship of your people afresh, to long to be with you in the secret place of prayer. And I pray that you would help our congregation, each of us in this room and each of us who's a part of this larger family, to hunger for your word. 